This is a Daily Signal podcast for Friday, August 19th. I'm Fred Lucas. Today I'll talk to Cheryl Chumley, author of Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedoms. Cheryl is a veteran journalist with the Washington Times and host of the Bold and Blunt podcast. But before I get to my conversation with Cheryl Chumley, we have an important announcement to share with you. We are taking a break from reporting the headlines on the show for the next couple of weeks. We always aim to improve and make the show more beneficial for you, our listeners. So if you are a fan of the interview-only show, let us know. Or if you miss headlines at the top of every show and want them back, we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts by sending an email to letters at dailysignal.com. Now stay tuned for my interview with Cheryl Chumley right after this. We've reached a critical point in American history. Capitol Hill has become ground zero for pushing back against the left, and we want to equip you for a career there. Our Ready, Set, Hill program prepares you to not only find a job on the Hill, but advance conservative principles and impact public policy. It's just a two-day commitment, and we're currently taking applications for August, September, and October. Get more info and sign up at heritage.org training. Just look for the Ready, Set, Hill program. We have with us today Cheryl Chumley. She is a veteran journalist in Washington, D.C., and she is the online opinion editor for The Washington Times. And she is going to be with us today to talk about her new book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Thanks for joining us. It is so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. One question uh, before we jump into the meat here of uh, of the book. I, I did want to... Uh, just as a veteran journalist here in D.C., I want to ask you about we're recording this one day after the FBI raid of President Trump's home in Florida. I uh, just wanted to get your take on this and your initial thoughts on that. My take is, wow. I, I mean, rarely I've been in media so long watching politics and following how the left just exploits whatever they can to seize individual liberties from Americans. But when I saw this headline come across my screen last evening, I ran out of my office and and just stared at the TV in the living room. And my only initial reaction was, wow, I just can't believe that this is taking place in America. A former president of the United States personal residence raided by the FBI, by scores of FBI agents. Uh, and what's most interesting is that Trump is somebody who could be facing the sitting president for an election for the White House in 2024. So it has all the earmarks of weaponizing the law enforcement system against Trump. And I just I just think that there's going to be a backlash against this. Okay, right. So let's jump into the book. Uh, again, the title, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And this looks into or delves in, investigates the, the entire lockdown year that we had in 2020, uh, some on the left and some states that carried into well into 2021 even. Um, and um, I, I guess if the left had their way, it, it would uh, still be going on. But um, I, I guess uh, to tell us first, why did you decide to write this book? Well, I wrote this book because at the Washington Times, I wrote critically daily from the very beginning of the pandemic about the government's overreach. And that even included when Donald Trump was in the White House and some of the government's response to the coronavirus I saw as concerning 
to the security of American liberties. But at least Donald Trump did everything he did out of love for America and, and love and regard for American citizens. The Democrats came in and they just exploited the fear of the coronavirus in order to justify seizing individual liberties. So I wrote this book because it was alarming to me how the left used fear to steal our constitutional God-given rights. And more than that, the deeper I dived into the research about what was going on and the data versus the narrative that the Democrats were using to steal our liberties, where this leads in the future. So I wrote Lockdown basically as a look back on where the government got it wrong and how the Democrats used it for political gain, but more importantly, looking forward to how the Democrats plan to continue to use a pandemic to segue into the next uh, cause to justify continuing lockdowns. I wanted to ask you, uh, because uh, many of the, certainly the election law changes that, that happened in 2020 uh, were a lot of the things that the left and Democrats had wanted to do already for years. Uh, and that could probably carry into some other aspects. I mean, in just in terms of regulating uh, what people's lives are things maybe the left wanted to do for a long time. Is, was this just a classic case of never let a crisis go to waste? Absolutely. And, you know, my how many, so many ways the Democrats used that uh, virus to never let that crisis go to waste. You mentioned the election laws. And uh, actually, it, it's been a concern or it should be a concern for all of Americans that for many years now, the mail-in balloting and the absentee balloting process has been expanded. It used to be in this country, it was pretty strict. We had an election day. And except for a few uh, exemptions and exceptions, num number one, the military, of course, but others, uh, people who were traveling maybe or people who had disabilities, except for those few segments, most Americans had to make it to the polls on time and they had to vote. And aside from that being a sort of sobering reality of you know, think about what it takes to vote and you have to actually physically go to the polls to vote. And that kind of gives it a, a certain amount of dignity. Uh, the fact is Democrats have just been pushing for expansions in mail-in balloting and absentee balloting for years. And they finally got their cause, their justification under the coronavirus. But it's not just the balloting. It's not just the election. Look at what they're doing to piggyback now from the virus into climate change. And this is their next big leap in order to bring about that great reset we hear about so frequently from the World Economic Forum. All right. And uh, as far as um, the level to which the pandemic was politicized, I mean, we've had pandemics in this country. Uh, we heard about, a lot about the comparisons during COVID to the Spanish flu and so forth. Uh, and there were others uh, pandemics. But, but this one was politicized more than any other. I mean, do, was that only because it was in an election year? Was it because so many on the left wanted it as a, a way to beat Donald Trump over the head? I mean, uh, what, what, what was the reason this might have been more politicized than past pandemics? I think it was to go after Trump. Because if you look at the data early on and you look at how the medical bureaucrats in the federal government were were selling the data to justify clampdowns, it doesn't match up. 
One of the early red flags for me was Anthony Fauci when he came out and made these dire gloom and doom predictions of death based on computer modeling. And he did that early on. And when he talked about computer modeling being used to predict the, the widespread deaths from this virus, that was a red flag in my head because that's exactly what the climate change, the radical environmental crowd uses to justify their regulatory controls on citizens. They, 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 they input numbers uh, based on their best guesses, and then they take the numbers that are output to call for radical clampdowns on freedoms. And so environmentalists use this uh, to create fear and hype to call for controls on behaviors. And that's exactly what Anthony Fauci was using at the very beginning of this virus to call for controls on human behaviors. One criticism that we have heard of Trump out there uh, from, from conservatives, some people who've supported him uh, in the past, they, they felt like he listened too much to Fauci, at least early on in the state. I, I, do you think that was the case? I do. I do. And, you know, I write about this in lockdown that Trump, by his own admission years and years ago, was a germaphobe. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm in the deep state, I mean, let's just play this scenario. If I'm somebody for three plus years who has been trying to take down Trump and uh, to bring him to his knees, basically, in, in the political world, and I've tried Russia collusion and I've tried this and that for so long, and then here comes this virus. What a great opportunity, right? What a great opportunity to exert some influence in the White House where normally Donald Trump would stand strong. So that's just my, uh, I, I don't know, that's just my thought about maybe what this president, what Trump was thinking when he allowed Anthony Fauci such a public platform. And let's not forget Deborah Burks as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that was a political misstep for him. I would have preferred if Donald Trump had kept Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, and all the medical bureaucrats off the public stage. Uh, huddled in a room discussing the best case scenario for this virus and how to offset its impacts, but only in context of bringing in other people to discuss it too, business people, parents in schools, constitutional attorneys even, and then coming up with a, a, a collaborative message on how best to deal with this virus that doesn't lock down an entire nation, which we now know was in, was pretty much needless. Right. right. Uh, do, do you think people, I guess, ignored the Sweden model during all this? I mean, um, we've adopted Sweden into NATO. <laughs> I've heard someone say that we've adopted Sweden into NATO recently, but um, for a whole year we pretended they didn't exist. Well, Christy Nome didn't, yeah. right? Christy yeah. Nome in South Dakota. And right. later on, neither did uh, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, though Florida mm -hmm. went through its own lockdowns early on. So it wasn't completely um, outside, um, you know, this this lockdown chaos in America. But Christy mm -hmm. Nome in South Dakota, she pretty much kept things open and running. And mm -hmm. yes, we certainly did. But you can forgive early on when there's a new virus. You can forgive early on when you're being bombarded with all types of data and surveys and reports and scientific best, um, you know, medical advisements and so forth. That's why we needed a president to stand strong and keep freedom first and then medical uh, treatment second. But 
as the as the days and weeks wore into months and we were starting to see in our own country data that showed the uselessness of masks or the randomness of social distancing and the the utter the utter targeting of certain businesses versus other businesses. For instance, you could keep open Target and Walmart and marijuana shops, but you have to close small mom and pop businesses and churches and not sing in churches. As that became uh, the, the, the method of dealing with this virus, we certainly should have fought back a lot harder. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask you if you could talk about, uh, I guess, um, not just during the pandemic, but um, I guess long term, uh, wh- what type of aspects do you think have constitutional freedoms uh, that are in our Bill of Rights have unraveled um, in the long term? Well, the biggest thing, and, and there are many, and I go through this in my book, both as a warning of what happened and as a warning of what's to come. But the biggest thing that I saw coming out of this coronavirus was the left and the globalist way of shifting the mindset of American citizens from one of individualism into one of collectivism. And for instance, we were told that it was the individual right, right, in America to choose your own medical and health uh, healthcare methods and for yourself and your family. That's how America has been for, for years. And suddenly under this virus, we were told to put on a face mask, not so much because we believed in the power of the face mask for ourselves, but even if we didn't, to wear a face mask because it made other people feel more secure. It made other people feel safe. And when you start doing that, when you start taking the government's advisements based on what the government thinks is concern for the collective, you're losing your individual right to decide. You're losing your individualism in America, and you're moving more into a state of collectivism which I think ultimately is where the globalists and leftists in charge of exploiting the fear of this virus wanted to lead America in the end. Right, right. Yeah, and and mask wearing became a form of virtue signaling at one point. Yes, it certainly did. You make some references. One of the chapters uh, talks about from pandemic to climate to capitalism. Could you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And... You know, that's right out of the Great Reset narrative. And I encourage people to go to weforum.org, which is the World Economic Forum's own website, and read what the founder, Klaus Schwab, uh, has written about the Great Reset. Because part of the problem is the mainstream media was allowed to sell the idea that this Great Reset was a conspiracy theory. Well, it's not. It's in the World Economic Forum's own words. And what Klaus Schwab has envisioned for this pandemic is a total change first of the capitalistic system, the capitalistic model. And what he says is that instead of having shareholder capitalism, such as we do in America, where businesses go into business primarily to make money for themselves and their shareholders, we move into this model called stakeholder capitalism, where businesses go into business, yeah, to make money, yeah, to make a profit, but more so to appease the interests of their stakeholders. And stakeholders are described as anyone and everyone who has an interest in that business. So you're talking Black Lives Matter, you're talking your radical environmental groups, you're talking the neighbors who live next door 
restore to the business. Everybody gets to have a say into this new stakeholder business model. And that is much more akin to communism than it is to free market capitalism. And then as you continue to read through these great reset documents, you find out that Klaus Schwab ultimately envisions roping in radical environmentalism and climate change regulatory controls uh, along with the pandemic. One way I noticed in the last few months that this has already started is there was this article in the journal Nature written by two scientists once again, so-called experts, who said that if we don't take immediate action to do the government's narrative about uh, climate change emissions, then people are going to die. And their logic was that as more humans develop and populate the earth, it's going to force animals to leave those areas and to take up residence, take up home population in closer proximity to humans. And they're going to bring their viruses with them into closer proximity to humans. And therefore, their logic is humans will catch more viruses and people will die, people will die, and so forth. So they're already making the link and the jump from the virus to environmentalism. Okay. Also, uh, one of your uh, chapters is a uh, uh, pretty bold uh, title uh, uh, called uh, Dress Rehearsal and the March to the New Fascism. Um, uh, could you explain that a little bit? Well, uh, again, this goes to the globalist vision for America. Look, the, the globalist vision, you call it the one world order, the new world order, the great reset, or as Joe Biden himself calls it, the build back better agenda. It's all one and the same. And it's something that the left, those partaking, those participating in this, in this new vision for the world have done a great job as painting as conspiracy theory. And it's been in the works for decades now, but it's also something that America has been the big stumbling block to them bringing about this globalist vision for the world. Because in America, our exceptionalism is based on the idea that our rights come from God and government is only there to preserve and protect those rights. So we are different from all other nations in the world that way. And that's what keeps our government limited and more importantly, subservient uh, in its proper role to the people. So that's been the stumbling block for these fascist type uh, tyrannical forces in the world. America has stood strong against this one world order type of vision. And now because we have a feckless president in the White House who is uh, basically being steamrolled by these far left globalist forces, it looks as if America is indeed crumbling from within. Do you think there was a uh, heavy socially liberal uh, agenda here? I mean, because uh, because we do remember I you, you mentioned this a little bit a little bit ago closing churches, but they were closing churches at least in California and leaving strip clubs open, uh, and and that just kind of sent this like kind of rattled a lot of people. Uh, was that just purely pushing a social agenda and using the pandemic as an excuse? 
Well, in a way, yes, it was pushing a social agenda because, of course, the teardown of the family unit plays right into the left's hands to divide and conquer in America. If the family unit is a foundation of society and a society is a foundation for government, then it's only by natural logical extension that the left would want to tear down the family unit. Uh, that's where all the LGBTQ agenda comes from and so forth. But when you speak of the church's closing, in particular, I saw that as a huge clanging gong because in this country, if our rights come from God and government's only there to protect those rights, we need to keep God alive and well on the public stage. God-given rights are a blessing, but they also carry a responsibility. So it's no coincidence that as America moves more and more secular, which, of course, polls have been showing that the last couple of years, that it opens the door for more and more government to step in and exert controls in areas which they have no rightful role to exert controls over. So the closing of the churches in America, that was the one thing in this entire pandemic, uh, in this entire government overreach to the pandemic, that was the one thing that surprised me because I did not know that churches would fold and bend to a government dictate uh, so quickly and so on such a widespread basis. I guess uh, we could also talk about the, um, the role that big tech and the big media played in this? Oh, absolutely. Well, big tech booted anybody with a countering narrative from the government, right? Including the guy uh, who who actually was one of the key developers of these uh, vaccines, of these right. messenger RNA vaccines. They booted him because they thought that his viewpoint uh, was radical. Uh, but the role of the media was absolutely disgusting. And I include even uh, the so-called conservative media in this. Uh, I'll, I'll just name Fox News. Fox News was very disappointing to me because what the main mainstream media did, and I'll use Fox News as an example, they ran this running case count for weeks in the bottom right-hand corner of the television screen that just showed on an ongoing second-by-second -second basis how many test positives there were, how many case counts there were, how many deaths there were. And this just hyped and overhyped uh, the panic from and, and the fear that the American people were experiencing. And what I detested about the coverage is that it came absent any sort of context. You know, case counts by themselves, test positives by themselves are meaningless. It doesn't matter if a million people in America test positive for the virus. The only thing that matters is if what percentage of those million die from it versus recover? Or what percentage of those million, if you want to rate this, have to go to the hospital and be put on uh, oxygen in order to survive versus just go home and live out their lives and recover on their own? And the media did a terrible job of putting into context things that American citizens needed to be able to decide for themselves, first off, how fearful they should actually be of this virus, and second off, how best they could protect themselves and their families from this virus. And again, that fed into the whole mindset shift from individualism to collectivism. All right. I think that's everything. Uh, really appreciate you joining us here. Uh, and uh, folks, please check out the book Lockdown and uh, by Cheryl Chumley. Uh, she is a writer for the Washington Times. Uh, she's also, her podcast is Bold and Blunt. So please check that out. 
Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And that will do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you've not done so already, be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And please leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all Monday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Doug Blair, and Samantha Rank. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.